0: everyone good evening how's everybody doing I'm so happy to be with you as always we've got a great show for you tonight so without any further ado let's jump right into it we are now lucky enough to be joined by the one and only Andrew Wiebe of course you see him all over mlssoccer.com columnist pundit video podcast slash radio host Weebs, what's going on man how you doing
1: I'm doing good I am not the one and only there are other Andrew Weebies out there but I don't think They're quite as obsessed with MLS as I am, so I'll I'll take it this time.
0: Well, you're the only one that matters to me, and that's, you know, I, I like to keep this selfish and centric to myself. That's really the important thing that gets out of this, right?
1: Hey, look, I like you. You're making me feel warm and fuzzy before you get
0: started. (laughs) Well, that's good because my other idea was to go on a bit where I just started saying the words uh, Zlatan and Ibra uh, over and over as if I was having a normal conversation uh, with you guys. Kind of like you guys did uh, at the start of ETR for Monday. Uh, But I thought I would take it, just really double down on that. maybe, Maybe say nothing but those words for 30 seconds and see how you responded.
1: I would have responded like anybody else. Lots on, lots on, lots on. Now, Bobby Warshaw, as we did that bit, did not pick up on it, despite the fact that we had talked about it before the show aired, which was just mind boggling to me. But I appreciate Ted, that you have picked up on that and we can make this a thing because, honestly, that is all anyone is talking about. In MLS, outside of MLS, I just watched Taylor and Carr do a hit with Sky Sports here at the MLSsoccer.com studios. You can imagine what they wanted to talk about. I mean, this has been a whirlwind of the best kind.
0: Oh, it's it's been unbelievable, man. And you know, obviously I work for the San Jose earthquakes. So I'm never going to quote unquote be a fan of the galaxy, but I would say to every Earthquakes fan and everyone around Major League Soccer and soccer worldwide that if, if you did not walk away from that moment with a smile on your face, then I, I honestly think there's something wrong with you. Like, even an LAFC fan probably just kind of had to laugh and shake their head and say, well, yeah, that's Ebra, That's kind of what he does. Yeah, look, I don't
1: know how you reacted to that, and I don't have a horse in any of these races. You know, a lot of folks like to get at me on Twitter and else read right in the comment section and say, oh, you clearly have a bias for this team. Oh, you're a fan of Kansas City because you're from Kansas. No, I just, as you said, root for entertainment.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: root for the moments that make me a little bit giddy, that give me goosebumps. And that's that third goal for the Galaxy, Ibra's first, just minutes after he entered, the ball bounces, and I feel like all of that stadium, everybody watching that game, everybody who knows who Ibrahimovic is and what he stands for, knew what was coming they knew that with that bounce, just perfect hanging over his right foot he was going to try to lash it and then when he did it it just it felt like this incredible release and I was jumping up and down and I was yelling and I was smiling and we were throwing up high fives here where I watch the games we've got like 20 TVs just up on a wall and it's you know one of the highlights of my week on Saturday nights to come in and just kind of ingest major league soccer mainline it if you will <laughs> And we have not had a moment like that in this studio in a long time. Maybe since 2016 playoffs, Montreal-Toronto. Yeah. Maybe the year before that, I think it was, the double post, the knockout round with Kansas City and Portland. That was an iconic moment in this league's history. That was a moment that you will see over and over and over and over and over for decades. And it was a moment that only Eber could have given us. And I'm with you, man. Like, LASC fans... They probably disagreed. They probably weren't happy about it. They had to eat some crow. All their Carson jokes didn't sound nearly as funny after this one. <laughs> but it just—it's a moment that will will kind of like glom onto forever and just increases and builds on the legend of Hebra. And nobody else could have done it the way he did. Nobody else could have reacted the way he did. It's just—it's—it's it's perfect in every single way. And I'm I'm so thankful that I got to experience it and be a part of it and talk about it and commentate on it because it was. I mean,
0: it was mind-blowing. Yeah, it, it really was. And it, it speaks to me, the greater narrative of Major League Soccer. And you and I talked in the offseason about how much fun we were having just paying attention to how much was going on and the different moves that were being made and things going on. I felt like the offseason from the end of pretty much the regular season in 2017 because things got going rather quickly and we started getting rumors about Barco and such. From that point through the the start of week one of major league soccer and then with now uh, ibra coming over i just feel like we're going to look back at this period of from 27 8 2017 to to 2018 especially with the inclusion of Atlanta and LAFC that this is when everything really really started changing. I mean there's other moments before that I'll point to, but now you do that plus the Galaxy doubling down and getting one of the biggest stars in the history of the game. I mean this is that that stadium re- responded to to Ibra bigger than I think they did David Beckham. It felt like before they were cheering for Beckham, this was for the Galaxy in a different way, and it was spearheaded by Zlatan.
1: Absolutely. I think it comes with LAFC and LA, Galaxy just kind of stakes being a little bit different. I mean, you know, we talked all about this, and we didn't mention that he just won them the first ever El Trafico, the first ever Derby in that city. And I know Quakes fans are probably sitting back saying, hey, this is BS, man. Cali Classico is the classic. This is the game. It's got the history. It's got the hatred. That hatred is very real. And I'm with them in a lot of ways. I love Quake Galaxy. I've written uh, thousands of words about that rivalry, and in particular about Landon Donovan's place in that rivalry, and it's extremely special. But when you win that game in that way for just the second time in the history of the league to come back from Mm 3-0 and kind of set the marker in L.A., it's historic, and it's special, and it can't be – I don't think it can be overshadowed by really any other moment. It just stands alone on its own two legs. Now, the one thing I would say about MLS in, in the last, oh, I don't know, 12 months or so, hey, I agree with you. B Minnesota United fans and Francisco Calvo are pissed off. Yes, with they. Right are. <laughs> now, we came in too. Give us some R-A-S-P-E-C-T, all right, man. Um, but look, it's it's all 23 teams, soon to be 24, soon to be more than that. To be, I guess we're 25 now that Miami's official and you got Nashville and we're still waiting on 26, but it's, it's a group effort. And for a lot of years in this league, it didn't always feel that way. It felt like there were some haves and have-nots, and there still is an element of that. And discretionary TAM will only widen that gap if clubs and owners decide not to spend it. But you're seeing a level of investment, a level of um, coaching, a level in the facilities side, a level in the professionalism on the front end of things, the the business end, the broadcasting, everything else that, you know, for good reason is unmatched.
0: You know, it's interesting. continues
1: to make progress.
0: No, it does. And I want to speak to the Minnesota thing because I, you know, I I appreciate Minnesota and everything they're doing. And they, you know, they do want the respect right now. And I've got friends inside that front office, but I, I think that, It also comes down to the fact and people get ticked off. They're like, oh, well, you're talking about Atlanta and you're talking about LAFC and you're talking about this, that and the other team. It's I mean, it's it's just how it goes when the teams are very, very good. That's who's at the top of the list right now. It's so coinciding that Major League Soccer's popularity has never been greater. And that is happening right now because of the work that's been done by um, Atlanta. And you're seeing it with LAFC and we've watched what Toronto is doing. We've seen what the Sounders are doing. And I have no doubt that when Minnesota Minnesota is poised to do great things. That we'll see more of a conversation about them. But that's just how it works. It, that's not specific to Major League Soccer. That is sports across the country, across the globe. The teams that are making the most headlines get the most coverage. And, you know, and we can flash back to you know DC back in their glory days and say, yeah, if that was happening today, they'd be getting the most most coverage. Or San Jose in their glory days. Again, today it would be getting the most coverage. And if, if Minnesota continues to establish them himself Then good. I, I guarantee we will all happily be talking about them more.
1: I agree. I'm with you. I think Francisco Calvo and I'm going to crib this this from Bobby Warshaw who I think did a great job for us on the, on the commentary side and just giving us insight into the game. And he said Calvo did exactly what he wanted to do. This is the guy that scored an own goal in a game that they were up a man for more than an hour at home and they lost one nothing. <laughs> so he pulled a little Jose Mourinho on us. Where yeah. we we're talking about Calvo's comments. And we're not talking about the fact that Minnesota lost a game at home that they absolutely should have won. And this is the thing with the Loons. And I went to Minneapolis and St. Paul before they kicked off last season. And I wrote, a, I think, a 4,000-word feature on their soccer culture and history. And it is mm-hmm. rich. It is unique. It is incredible. What they've built in Minnesota, we should applaud, and we do applaud, it, and we will continue to do so based on the crowds they're getting this year, which have been very good, and based on the opening of that new stadium, which looks beautiful. But you cannot deny, if you're a Minnesota fan or your Francisco Calvo, by the way, that the results have not been particularly good. If you want to sit there and compare yourself to Atlanta, I'm sorry, but you're going to come up short nine times out of ten, and maybe ten times out of ten, between the size of the crowds, between, between the signings, the quality, the price, the results, between the DPs, the level of investment, the headlines that you made both here and internationally. I mean, it's just right now they're working and they're building to get to that point and to demand respect after this game I think was a, a, just a little piece of brilliance on the media relations side from Francisco Calvo. But I don't, I don't buy what he's putting down. When teams have good results, when teams play well, when teams are exciting, when they invest in players that work out, when they find diamonds in the rough that work out, we praise them. We talk about them. We've talked about Minnesota plenty. Their results haven't been good enough, and that's A1 in sports. you got to win games, and you got to win games at home in this league, and if you don't, there's going to be some shade coming.
0: Again, we are talking to Andrew Wiebe right now, MLS joining us here on the Soccer Hour, KNBR ten fifty. Now, obviously, coming up, uh, we've got uh, CCL action about to hit us. Um, some pretty, you know, some potentially big stuff going on. I guess we'll start with uh, Toronto and Club America tonight. What are your What are your thoughts on this as we get into the whole uh, the bragging rights conversation?
1: Man, the the pit in my stomach. You know, it's disappears. Dissip- <laughs> after the quarterfinals and it's back in just like a knot right now because you know like many of your listeners i'm sure i know what ccl represents there's a reason why when we made ccl bingo this year on the site the fan said that the free space should be disappointment it's because that that feeling of like oh my god this isn't happening oh my god it did happen oh my god not again oh my god league mx wins once again it's just endemic to this competition And until an MLS team proves otherwise, and I'm not saying reach the final. I'm not saying have a good leg. I'm not saying win the quarterfinals against Mexican opposition. I'm not saying any of that. you got to win this. Mm -hmm. you got to win it. And Toronto FC is the team best equipped of any team in the history of Major League Soccer to enter this competition, in my opinion, to win it. So they beat Tigres, and that was incredible. And that was historic, and that was special, and we all felt amazing afterwards. But that cannot carry on. Toronto FC has to forget everything about that series other than the fact that it took every single ounce in their tank to get to get it over two legs. And had there not been an own goal or had Sebastian Jovinko not done something special on a free kick, it wouldn't have been through. <laughs> and, and that's the attitude they need to take against America because America has been just as good, if not better, than Tigres this year in Liga MX. This is a very, 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 very good team. This is a team that expects to win. This is a team that thinks, you know what, we'll go to BMO, we'll get a couple of road goals, we'll go back to Azteca, and we'll do what we've always done, which is just smash MLS competition. So I look at this matchup, and I think that Toronto FC have two big tasks ahead of them. The first one is obvious. I don't have to tell anybody this. You can't allow more than one road goal, if that. Road goals will be the death of you in this competition, and everybody knows that from around the world. They're going to watch CCL. uh, Excuse me, I always say CCL. Champions League, UEFA style, or you have to limit the road goals, and then they've got to find a way for their special players to make a couple special plays. Josie Althador can't pull the ball wide on a breakaway. Victor Vasquez can't miss a sitter or not make the right pass. Sebastian Jovinko can't waste chances or be quiet in these games. This is a time right now when your best players got to step up. And on the other side for América, and I know you know he is a bugaboo. Arribet Peralta is just a madman, and he's an assassin. And he's been that assassin for MLS teams in the past, whether it's for America or whether it's for Santos Laguna back in the day when they were just beating down MLS teams. Darwin Quintero, by the way, was one of those guys. Now Mm -hmm. Minnesota has him. I just – this is the one where I feel a little bit more nervous because Toronto FC are so good. They're so prepared. They're a historic team, and America are just as good and probably better, and so it's going to take an effort performance. The other side, I think, is a lot more straightforward. The Red Bulls, they have a unique style. They have an a ethos within their team. They're facing Guadalajara, who have not been good for a while now and are just kind of trying to hold on in this thing. They, to me, have a better opportunity, especially because they have Game 2 at home,
0: yeah. to move
1: on in this one. But I can see, and it's not that hard for me to envision, a two-team final made up of Liga MX teams, uh, El Super Clasico, <laughs> Chivas, and America, that's what fans in Liga expect to happen. That's what players in Mexico expect to happen. And until MLS teams prove otherwise, that is what will happen. So this is a huge week for Major League Soccer, and I can't wait. Like I said, I am beyond nervous.
0: We will continue this conversation with Andrew Wiebe of MLSsoccer.com coming up next. Welcome back, everyone. You know what's really interesting, and again, we're talking to Andrew Wiebe right now here on the Soccer Hour, KMBR 1050, is maybe the sidebar of what Jesse Marsh has been doing with some of his lineups with the Red Bulls, because obviously you guys constantly talk about play your kids, and he did that, and he was able to get a, an impressive win over Portland, I think, by playing just you know nothing but young guys, and that also shows, A, how the quality of the young guys the Red Bulls have, A, and B, just how seriously now teams are looking at CCL compared to how it was just just a few years ago. I feel like this conversation is part of the change that has occurred with the increase in Major League Soccer's quality and popularity.
1: I mean, look, the TAM stuff, in large part, yes, it went to increase the quality for for Major League Soccer play, which we all want. That's 34 games a season that we want to be top-notch. But a big part of it went to to Champions League and saying we have to find a way past Mexico. And so you have the TAM side and the increase in quality, and that means the Danny Royers of the world. And, you know, that means ultimately you can go out and sign guys like Taku to the DP deal, and you can go get, uh, you know, a, a BWP and push him up a level and not have the rest of your squad be hurt and know you can still invest. But what the Red Bulls have, that very few teams have, by the way, and we, we talk about play your kids because it's it's not as easy as just saying it. They went out and they invested in USL, and they used USL I don't think anybody else has just yet, which is they prepared players primarily for their first team. Now, they got results, too. I mean, they won a championship. They did everything else. But they said, you know what? We are going to create a pipeline, and part of that pipeline is that our assembly lines are exactly the same. So when you're playing with two, it's the exact same way you'd be playing with one. So, Tyler Adams, go get a season down there. When we bring you up, the level is different. It's a little bit higher. I think it's quite a bit higher right now. <laughs> But you know how we play, and you can integrate into it, and you have the talent and the mentality to do so. Vincent Bezacourt, Florian Velo, Aaron Long, you know Derek Etienne Jr. There's, just all, there's more and more and more and more players coming up through. Ben Mines, who we saw against Portland, score his first goal. Um, it, it's, it's become, for them, a way to create a squad that isn't 15 deep. That's 22, 23, 24 deep, and they may not be household names, but they know how to play the Red Bulls' way. And the Red Bulls identified something in them that said, okay, you can fit in. And not only can you fit in, you can contribute. And that second part is the most important part with player kids. Finding guys and cultivating guys to the point where they can contribute. Because once you can contribute as a young player, that's that little spark of confidence that can set you off on the right path. And if you get into a situation on the first team where you can't contribute for whatever reason it is, you're not ready to play in that system, Physically, you're not ready. Technically, you're not ready. Whatever it is, that, those setbacks really do hurt young players so much. And if you can get that little spark like the Red Bulls have with so many of their guys, you can push on. Now, Toronto FC has done the same thing in, in some ways. Raheem Edwards last year, who then had to move on, of course, because of just kind of a numbers game, was a guy like that. Mm-hmm. And now it's making a difference in Montreal. Marky Delgado, a guy like that, that they gave opportunities to, let him kind of come in, make some mistakes, Now he's in that position. Eric Zavoletta, you know, Haglund, those guys, maybe not highly touted prospects, but you give them opportunities at a young age. And now here they are playing their roles well in the later days. So I think one of the things about CCL that we've seen is that these two teams that are left, they've built their roster top down, and they've made sure they fill all those holes. Because inevitably, in MLS and in this competition, those holes will be tested in the past, they've been found wanting and they've been uh exploited by league mx and so far we haven't seen that.
0: again we are talking to andrew Wiebe right here on the soccer hour kmbr 1050 uh, just just a last question for you what is it like working with bobby warshaw on a daily basis i, I just i just have to know I, every conversation i walk away from with that guy i i just i find myself in a in a better but yet more quizzical headspace i'd imagine that he's been a good addition to the uh, to, to the offices there
1: he makes you think, doesn't he? And if you haven't read his book, I, I really recommend going to read his book. Because once you read the book, you will, like, every situation you come away from with every conversation, you'll be able to point back and say, I think maybe this is from this particular experience that he has. This is where Bobby was formed. And now I'm seeing kind of the end result of that formation. Um I think he thinks about the game in a different way than a lot of people do. And I I definitely think he thinks about it in a different way than most former players do. And he's a very kind of – he thinks. And he thinks a lot internally and he wants to question things and he doesn't want to take things at face value. And I think that's always a quality that's good in any sort of situation like this where you're just – you're trying to digest so much on any given week and to have somebody that says, hold on, step back, let's really digest this, let's take a look at some sides that maybe we weren't thinking about because they're not so obvious, is super valuable. And I have a feeling that Bobby brought that in his playing career as well. And if you've read the book, you know that at some points that may not have served him in the best way, and other other points it served him extremely well. But uh, he knows the game, he's passionate about the game, he loves MLS, he's one of the hardest workers I've ever been around, which – You know, it's something I think a lot of players, and we have a ton of guys come through these studios, and they all do great jobs, but to a man now, it's a lot more work than I thought it was. Yeah, Don't really realize about about this business and about the things that, that people outside of the professional sports realm do, and that goes to me, that goes to you, that goes to all your listeners. I'm sure they all know, look, I have to work extremely hard to get what I have, and I think sometimes there's a, you know, there really is a, a kind of fairytale world that professional athletes can live in, and they work extremely hard as well, but in a different way and on different hours with different treatment. Sometimes it's hard to make that transition. I think Bobby's done a great job.
0: Yeah, no, it, it just it makes me laugh, man, because he gives you and Matt pauses in your thinking when you said something that I've I've never heard you guys react to in uh, with anyone else so it's funny because I can tell like that cut Weeby and or Doyle off guard and you know obviously I'm a fan I listen to everything you guys put out and watch everything you guys put out but half the fun now for me is just seeing how you guys react to what he says
1: hey man he throws some change-ups sometimes he catches us off balance
0: (laughs) (laughs) Great stuff, man. Well, Weebs, I will let you go. I know that uh, you're probably still underslept as you are uh, still in the, uh, well, not quite the newborn uh, phase, but you're still in that phase where you're not getting uh, quite as much sleep as you should be, so maybe you can sneak in a nap here. But uh, thank you, man. I appreciate it, and we will talk soon. Thanks, Ted. Again, that is Andrew Wiebe, all over MLSsoccer.com, and we are now going to shift gears. We are lucky enough to be joined by now arguably the most famous voice in the history of American soccer broadcasting the one and only J.P. Della Camera. Of course, you know his work as of late on Fox. He's also doing TV play-by-play for the Philadelphia Union. And J.P., I was looking ahead at the forecast, man. It looks like we have the potential of getting a snow game on Saturday.
2: Another one? That's- I-, I can't believe this weather here on the East <laughs> Coast. We had snow yesterday. Um, I live in New England. We had four inches of snow from the morning till maybe noon. And by noon, it had melted because the ground <laughs> wasn't that frozen um every once in a while in april we do have snow uh hope we don't um but i've seen that there could be another snowstorm somewhere in the forecast but i hope not
0: yeah, I, w- I would. Uh, it would it would be pretty to look at, but I think it would slow down uh, gameplay a bit. And I think that uh, everybody wants to see the uh, the action going on. And I'll just I'll just ask you, man. I mean, scoring is up in Major League Soccer. I think I've already seen, you know, more than enough exciting uh, games this year, this, uh, you know, for the month of March than I can remember in years past. What, what's your view of the overall play in the league this year?
2: I think the overall play in the league has been very good. I've watched a lot of games. I've seen a lot of highlights, some terrific goals, some great storylines, some tremendous drama, if you will. This Laton game probably put an exclamation point on it. You We've know, had teams do pretty well so far, knock on wood, in Champions League play, although as we record this interview, there are games going on later tonight. Um, I think the offense right now is probably ahead of the defense. Uh, we're coming right out of, Preseason training, so so maybe the defense will catch up fairly soon. But right now, you know the, the number of goals we're seeing is great. The quality of goals we're seeing is great as well.
0: Yeah, there's been some spectacular goals, and we're just seeing fun play all around. And I guess that brings me to an interesting point on the Union. We'll start off here is the fact that you know they set a record this past weekend for the youngest average age across that back line. Of course, uh, anchored by Keegan Rosenberry, who's 24 years old, and he's the oldest guy out there. And you know that to me represents the next step in the evolution of Major League Soccer because we've seen so much money invested into the attack, and then the Union represent a team that's saying, okay, we're gonna to invest some money here we're going to be the next generation that has this back line that simply put guys are not going to score on
2: yeah well it was an interesting move for sure because they had other players that they put in opposition but when they put in Matt Real who was only 18 years of age you know that average age dropped so uh, I had asked our people to check because when I saw the average age I felt and I, I was proven correct that it had to be the youngest back four to start a game in Major League Soccer. It just had to be at, at 21. So you've got a guy like Jack Elliott. He's a veteran. Veteran center back. He's in his second year in the league. He's, he's sitting or standing next to a kid who's only 19 years of age in Austin. Trust me. So um, it, it looked good for a half anyway. It looked good for a half in Denver, right? Uh, 0-0 at halftime and then... Uh, Dominic Baggi just lit up the team, not not necessarily the back four. I, I never blame it on one defender. I never blame it on you know a goalkeeper or even a back four. Usually when a goal is scored, there's a breakdown somewhere. Unfortunately, I think that on two of the goals, Jack Elliott looks the worst out of all the players, but it's not something that you could say, hey, that's all on Jack because Three or four things happened before Baji ever found his way one on one against Elliott. So those are the things that happened. Uh, Credits to Baji. He had an outstanding game, and uh, he tore apart the Union in that second half.
0: Well, it's interesting, though. I mean, the, listen, guys are going to have a great game sometimes. That's just the way it goes in sports. But what we see with that back line in Philadelphia, we've seen the move that Jesse Marsh has made with the Red Bulls and the, some of the young lineups he's put out there, of course, because of the uh, the CONCACAF Champions League play. Um, it, you know, finally, people have been saying for years, let the kids play, put the youth out there. And we're finally getting to see it, particularly so far in the, in the first month of 2018. I think, what was the stat I saw, is that 16 teams, teenagers played all of last year and then already in this year major league soccer we've already seen 18 and it's barely the third day of april
2: yeah and some of these kids are really good i think tyler adams is a future star in the u.s national team by future i don't mean the distant future i mean I, I think he's already arriving as a as a starting player at the very least and i think maybe a, a few years away from from talking about him the way we've talked about other great players that we have for this country but i, I think that in Major League Soccer, there was a lot of talk during the off season about some coaches not willing to play the younger players. Uh, it seems like, at, at least at the start of this year, that maybe some of the coaches that didn't want to play the younger players in the past are now doing that. Maybe some of the younger coaches or the newer coaches are also doing that. I think the union have always believed in the youth, and this year are taking it maybe to another level. Krusty was on the team last year but, but didn't play in a single game, but mm-hmm. he did play for Bethlehem Steel, uh, really earned a lot of reps there, played for the U.S. team in the other 20 World Cup, and now they deemed him better than anyone else that they had to play next to Jack Elliott, and so far, so good. I, I think Krusty's done pretty well. I mean, Elliott is a uh, probably Jack Elliott last year, not probably, he was the most consistent defender all of last year. It was not a good game for Jack, but again, not blaming Jack my that game he'd probably tell you it was not his best game uh, but overall I think in that on that back four last game I think Truckee was probably the team's best back
0: again we are talking to JP Delacamera here right here on KMBR 1050 the soccer hour uh, let's talk a little about that attack of course the names that people uh, immediately go to are David Akam and CJ Sapong what's your view of the offense so far the union through this uh, first month of play albeit only three games
2: yeah, it's funny you ask about the offense because uh, after scoring twice in game one, they've not scored now in the last two games. I think we've not, we've not yet seen the best out of David Akam, who I think is a terrific player. He gives the union something that they've never had, never in their previous eight years of existence. And that, that's a player, if I use the football analogy, that could go deep. I mean, this is a guy that could stretch a defense. He can receive balls over the top and go wide. He can receive true balls on the ground, either in the center of the field, or balls played to feet long distance out of the wing, and he can score goals. He had 14 last year with the Chicago Fire. I think this year, he's had to play a little bit more defensively than maybe he is uh, normally accustomed to, and maybe that's taken some away from what he does, but I think he's going to get his goals this year. (laughs) He didn't get double figures in goals. Sapon is just a workhorse. He scored in the first game. I think the last last game, actually two games, he hasn't had that much of service. Mm -hmm. I think the the player that they brought in, though, this number 10, uh, it doesn't look like it, but it's pronounced It's D-O-C-K-A-L. He wears the number 10. He's expected to be a a true number 10 playmaker for this team. You can see the skill level that he has, but he's starting to get to know his teammates uh, each and every week. And the team had a really rough start to this year. They played one game, had two weeks off, Painted out the game, had two weeks off, and now they're back to back against Western Conference teams. So they haven't been able to get into a rhythm yet. They'd like to do that, starting with the game against San Jose. You know, the one thing, too, to talk about here, I think, is that we talked about this young back line. This is a real test for this back line this coming weekend because they're facing a guy, Chris Wondolowski, who's not going to beat them with speed, but he is going to beat them with the runs that he makes. Uh, Wondolowski, probably better than any striker I can name, mm-hmm. finds the right positions on the field. The ball finds him, he finds the ball. You think you have him, and then you don't have him. And it's, again, it's not because uh, of his speed or his strength or his physical play. I, I don't think there's any one thing you could say about Wondolowski other than uh, he's just so good at, at finding the open spaces on the field. Mm-hmm. And then once he is, you know, he's a legal finisher. And by all accounts, should end up as the all-time leading goal scorer sometime yeah. during this
0: season. We will continue this conversation with JP Delacamera coming up next. Welcome back, everyone. We are talking to arguably the most famous voice in the history of American soccer broadcasting, JP Delacamera. You know, it's really it's really interesting, JP. And I'll ask you because you know you've obviously gotten to call a, a number of games with Chris Wondolowski, and I get to I get to you know do it every every weekend almost and there's no one else to me like him like I'll know exactly where he is I'll know exactly where he's been I'll know exactly what he's doing and then at just at different points during the the game and it's often on the, the the movements that lead up to his you know near near makes or goals themselves he just disappears in the crowd somehow, and I've never quite yeah. been able to, to put my finger on it or never seen anyone else do that. He just vanishes right. and then reappears at the right place at the right time, and it's it's like you alluded to. It's not the athleticism or the speed. It's just his movement is so distinctly, I guess for lack of a term, weird and or odd that it just yeah. gives him that ability. Yeah.
2: yeah, I think that's why, you know, Trusty and Elliot really had their work cut out from this week. I think it's easier. You know, you watch uh, tape, of another team, right? Trusty and Elliott can look, and, and they know how fast Dominique Bajji is, mm-hmm. right? They knew how fast Jossie Zardis is or was. Uh, I still think when you play them in person, I've always heard players say, you know what, he's even faster than I thought he was. But when you watch the tape of one, blast, you still are amazed at how he gets to that, that hole or that gap, as quickly as he does, without anyone seeing him, yet knowing you've watched him on tape you know he makes these runs. You know he makes these moves. But they lose them. Yeah. Right? So I just think he's better. He's better than anybody that, that doesn't come back. I'm not comparing him, you know, to Dennis Rodman uh, of NBA <laughs> things. You know, he's totally different. But everybody knew what a great rebounder Dennis Rodman was, right? But mm-hmm. he always controlled the board, didn't he? Yeah. Because he wanted, he wanted it more, right? He found his way... To body up to somebody that was five, six, seven inches taller than he was, and Rodman would still get that rebound. And I think Wondolowski case you know, he seems to want it more than somebody else does. Um, he's not going to beat you again with speed, maybe not even with with strength. You know, whatever it is, but he does beat you, right? Yeah, he, no, he, consistently. He wants, <laughs> he wants that position. He know he knows that position, and he can not quote unquote back. He can get to that position. Faster than you can as a defender, right? And and then the ball, you know, you always hear this like the ball seems to find him, you know. You right? see that with other sports too, but you've got to be in that position for the ball to find you. Right? Yeah. If he gets five tap-in goals, it's not luck. He was there, right? I mean, yeah. He's In position for that quote-unquote lucky tap-in, so you have to be there first. And I think uh, his career has been fantastic, and I think that. Uh, When you compare how much publicity he receives compared to others, once he overtakes Landon Donovan, I mean, Landon still has gotten far more publicity than Chris Wondolowski ever will, even if Chris plays the game for another five or six years. (laughs) I still think Wondolowski may be one of the most underrated strikers in this league, and he'll end up. As their all-time leading goal scorer by the end of this year. Yeah, it's long before the end of this
0: year, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's the thing is, it's just a matter of time with him, and he scores in bunches. He didn't score this last week against NYCFC, but he had one the week before, and then he kind of gets hot, and then they all they all start falling. And you know, I, I know you got to broadcast the game against NYCFC in, in week one versus uh, Sporting Kansas City, and obviously they're kind of the early season darlings of Major League Soccer, and they're off to a you know an unblemished start. They haven't lost yet; they've got the one tie. What was your assessment? in watching them come out there and get a very, very difficult win on the road in Children's Mercy?
2: oh, They were very good, you know, on that particular day. And I, I think that one of the things that they're showing this year that they've not shown in the past is the ability to win without David Zia. I, I either mean, without David Zia having a sensational game or without him being on the team, right? Because he's had a couple of games now, but they've got other players now in the squad that can take over. I think they've helped... Sean Johnson more than they did last year. So Sean's numbers are better this
1: year. I think
2: overall, it's a better team. They made some nice acquisitions. It's unfortunate that they lost Harrison. But they've got a couple of nice young players that they've added to the mix. And I think they're going to be, uh, for sure, a contender in the Eastern Conference. That was a big win for them. And it was, obviously, because of what they've done since
0: that time. Yeah. No, very much so. And again, we're talking to JP Delacamer here on the Soccer Hour on KMBR 1050. I know you've got uh, a couple of women's broadcasts coming up with the national team and uh, the friendly against Mexico coming up. What what is your assessment of the women's team right now? Obviously, just in terms of where the the calendar has been, it's been a little bit more quiet with them. We're starting to begin the build up again. But um, how do you look at this team right now? Of course, one of the biggest stories over the past couple of months has been involving Kristen Press. Um, but what what yeah. is your what is your assessment of the women's national team right now?
2: Well, I think they're still a very good team, but they've not hit their stride yet. I think they still have some question marks in terms of their starting 11 and, and overall 18, but they've had a good start to this year with the three wins and a draw. This is a big year, though, for them, Ted, because last year, Jill Ellis could talk about experimentation. This year, she can't really talk about experimentation. I think the experiments are over. The back three that we saw last year and she believes Cup turned out to be a disaster. It didn't last that long. I don't think you'll see it again, uh, at least not under, under Jill Ellis. I think that uh, some players uh, are coming into this, this camp, if you will, with an injury situation. These are the players that are missing this week. Sam Uless, who to me is a starter. Julie Ertz, not only a starter, but one of the best players on the team. Yeah. Tobin Heath uh, has had some injury problems, so not sure where she is right now. Casey Short's injured. Kelly O'Hara has been consistent. She's hurt. And Rose Lavelle, who along with Mallory Pugh, uh, are the young uh, stars of the present and future? Rose Lavelle is also out injured, so it's a good test for some other players to show what they have. Kieran Davidson did well in the believes Cup, and the only reason she played was Becky Sauerbrunn was injured. Becky is back from a foot injury, and, and Sauerbrunn is still their best, their best back until somebody proves otherwise. So it'll be good to get her back and see uh, what she's all about. I think the biggest question marks going into this year. You know, how healthy will this team be? Um, What is Carly Lloyd's position with this team in Mm -hmm. terms of is she a starter? Is she somebody that's going to be coming off the bench in the World Cup? Uh, Where is your best position now on this team? I would never count Carly Lloyd out because even at her age, no one trains harder than she does, and no one wants to be successful. More than she does, she's a couple of goals away from uh, that magic 100-goal plateau. Uh, Wouldn't be surprised if she gets it. In one or, or both of these games against Mexico, the first game is Thursday in Jacksonville, and then
0: Sunday in Houston. Uh, just curious, have have you guys gotten uh, Julie and Zach Ertz out to a Union game yet? I would uh, I would love to see them out there, and I, I would be surprised if they if it doesn't happen sometime soon, as those two are uh, relatively well liked in that area right now. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I didn't catch who you said. I'm sorry.
0: Oh no, I said Ju- uh, Julie and Zach Ertz. Have they gotten out to a Union game yet?
2: Oh uh, yeah. No, I, I don't think that's happened. Now, I don't think that that it has happened yet because of both of their schedules. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a great story, wasn't it? And yeah. Julie actually did some reporting uh, either at the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was at the Super Bowl. She did some reporting uh, from there, so it wasn't bad. I think the team will miss Julie because she's turned into, like I said, one of their best players, one of the players that you can count on to come up big in games. They may not need her in qualifying because in CONCACAF, I mean, the U.S. is still far and away yeah. the best team. But, you know, on the World Cup in in 2019, where they're the defending champions, you know, it's still up for grabs. France is going to be strong. They're the host nation. You know, England could be a contender. Germany's just made a coaching change. But, you know, they're always up there. There's a, there's a handful of teams still out there, five or six, Brazil, you know, that could give the U.S.A. some trouble. So, you know, winning the next World Cup is certainly not a guarantee for this U.S. team, but they are going to be, should be, a favorite, uh, one of the favorites, if not the favorite, to repeat.
0: Now, uh, now, J.P., I would be remiss uh, if I didn't ask you, as we are approaching the the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, are there a, a couple teams you've got your eye on right now, and some sleepers, some favorites? Uh, I know that uh, you and I, when I last saw you in L.A., we were able to talk a little hockey, but that was all the way last uh, last August. So things have things have uh, been given wow. clarity now.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I haven't studied it enough to know who I like, but I mean, Nashville is having one unbelievable season, right? I still can't believe the Chicago Blackhawks have been long eliminated from the playoffs that's that's strange in and of itself i know the blues are also struggling but i I think you know nashville would certainly come in there as as one of the teams i would never want to bet against sydney crosby and and pittsburgh especially you know when you get into the grind of the playoffs they know how to get it done Uh, are you seeing somebody else
0: Oh, I think to do it. I, I mean, it, I, I, obviously, I think you got to look at what the lightning have been doing. They, you know, they're pretty darn yeah, good. And yeah, then- that's good. The yeah. sharks, the sharks out because here. My standings in front of me because I'm forgetting teams, <laughs> but obviously,
2: yes, the Lightning would be one of them for sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: no, and then the, sure. the sharks out here since they made that trade for Evander Can, they've been playing uh, really, really well. So people are starting to get excited out here again. But uh, no, it's uh, it's it's all around the corner. So I figured if I if I didn't ask you now, I would uh, I'd be angry at myself. <laughs>
2: no, I'll be watching. I'll be watching some Stanley Cup games for sure. Stanley Cup playoff games. Uh, great sport, you know. Great time. Stanley Cup tracks are as exciting as, as anything. I would say other than a World Cup. The yes. World Cup is
0: still number one. Still, still num- number one. <laughs> number one, indeed. Well, J.P., I'll let you go. I know you're a busy man, but I appreciate your time as always. I thank you so much, and I, uh, I'm looking forward to our pass crossing uh, real soon. All right, man?
2: Absolutely. Anytime, man.
0: J.P. Delacamere, everyone, and that wraps it up for another edition of the Soccer Hour here on KMBR 1050. Of course, we look ahead to the game on Saturday against the Union. Like we said earlier with J.P., there is the potential of snow. We would not like to see that in the Sense that yes, it looks pretty on TV, but it does slow down the gameplay, and I think the earthquakes uh, need as much speed as they can have at their disposal. Plus, you know the guys in Philadelphia are a little bit more used to that type of cold weather than the boys out and say would be. But against NYCFC, there were lapses in the first 15 minutes of the second half, which you can argue cost them the game. Obviously, there were some shots that Sean Johnson had to go completely just out of his mind on to stop. You would have liked to have walked away with at least a point against NYCFC, but them's the breaks, as they say. But I think the Earthquakes can bounce back and potentially get a win in Philadelphia. We just have to wait and see see but that again wraps it up i'd like to give a big thank you to the san jose earthquakes for making this show a reality and to the bay area soccer community for tuning in as always i'm ted ramey signing off for the quakes here on the soccer hour on kmbr 1050